Welcome to Political as Heck, a podcast where we discuss politics and policy. I'm Corey Astell, joined by Utah State Senator Todd Weiler. What's going on, Todd? Hey, Corey. <laughs> just uh, just dealing with all the technical problems. Trying to figure out the Zoom thing. And last week, we didn't have your Zoom account. So we published on Instagram for the first time, and it was kind of a mess. But hey, trying new things. Yeah. All right. So a few things happened in the last week or so. And I want to start with uh, HB 11 update. So the ACLU has filed a lawsuit on behalf of two families with transgender student athletes against HB 11. And that's the new law that prohibits biological males from playing female sports. We'll all remember that this law was passed by a supermajority of the Utah legislature after the governor vetoed the original bill. I think we all expected this lawsuit. And I think we both agree that it's not an ideal use of taxpayer money, but we do need to remember that it this blanket prohibition passed after it became clear that a compromise didn't have the votes. HB 11 included a fallback clause that essentially implements the compromise in the event the prohibition is struck down. So if this lawsuit succeeds, which it very well may, well, the the law puts in place a commission to evaluate transgender athletes to determine whether it's appropriate for them to play given their size and strength and the nature of the sport. Todd, what do you think about this lawsuit and where does it go from here? Well, I mean, almost, I think about 10 states um, have passed similar bans and they've all been not struck down, but stayed by the federal courts. And so we, we were expecting this lawsuit and I'm expecting to lose this lawsuit. Anyone who's expecting not to lose this lawsuit um, either is uh, eternally optimistic or is uh, blissfully ignorant because the U.S. Supreme Court ruled last year that you cannot discriminate basically based on um, gender uh, identity. And it's not, I'm not saying that that decision is right. I'm saying that's the law of the land. And so, um, and the, the, I think the real question is not whether the ban gets stayed. And remember, the ban doesn't go into effect until July 1st. But I think the real question is, does the backup, does the plan B get stayed with it? Um, and, and that'll be interesting to see. So I'm not sure which federal judge uh, was drawn on this lawsuit. I'll have to look that up. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, th- this, in terms of taxpayer funds, I, I don't want people to freak out uh, because we pay our assistant attorney generals a salary. So whether they handle 40 cases this year or 41 cases this year, they're going to probably get paid the same. Now that's assuming that they don't hire outside counsel to defend a specialized lawsuit like this, but so it, it may, you know, but we also did in the special session have to indemnify the Utah High School Athletic Association. I think we, so that's probably a half million dollars right there. But yeah, it's probably not the, A, I, I don't know that we should be passing bills that we know are unconstitutional and B, uh, it's probably not the best use of taxpayer funds. But anyway, uh, we, we've had this debate and nobody's opinions are changing. So yeah, we don't need to we don't need to go the, over this entire thing again. Yeah. But we don't know for sure that it's that it's going to be struck down or that it's uh, that it's unconstitutional. So I think that it will be interesting about the in terms of the compromise to see if that's going to be possible. I mean, if it's not, then I think that's a, a bigger problem with with the law, frankly. So, I mean, in in the meantime, I mean, it's it's been interesting because, for example, you had Dwayne Wade who has a transgender child. Uh, come out and blast the law and i'm a i'm a i'm a Dwayne wade fan just watched the documentary love it i'm a big fan i think he's fantastic it does 
sort of raise the question though, his, his child born a boy playing basketball with girls could be really interesting. move on to the next issue so uh the supreme court as we know may be poised to overturn roe v wade based on the leaked draft and that decision could be coming out any day now i mean could, could be early this week i think a lot of people expect well utah senator Derek kitchen wants to repeal utah's ban on same-sex marriage he apparently thinks that uh, the possible roe decision will have implication for the Oberfell, Obergfell decision. Todd, do you think uh, Senator Kitchen's right that the state needs to address this issue? Well, I think Senator Kitchen is in a, is, is in a very contested primary and uh, he has been uh, thinking of a lot of reasons why he needs to call press conferences and try to get on the <laughs> 10 o'clock news uh, to get his name. It's working. All of our media outlets in Utah are right on cue, picking yeah. it right up and, and banging that drum. So, but I, I I think it's not going to be enough. Uh, the Democrats, for whatever reason, have turned on Senator Kitchen, and I uh, everyone I've talked to, I mean, a hundred percent of the people that I've talked to in Utah politics, Republican and Democrat, expect that he will lose his primary. Now, I, personally, I like Derek Kitchen. Don't don't agree with him on much of anything politically, but. Um, he, he's, uh, you know, he, he's one of my colleagues and, uh, socially, uh, we get along just fine. Um, he's probably not what you'd expect. He's a little bit shy, a little bit timid at times, but, uh, very fierce advocate for, you know, the, for his, um, um, constituents. And, uh, you know, he is the only LGBT member of the Utah legislature. I saw a picture of him in the pride parade from last Sunday, wearing a banner that says I'm the only LGBT member of the legislature. So interestingly, <laughs> his, his primary opponent, who's a doctor, she has a transgender child. And, and for whatever reason, the, even the log cabin or the, even the kind of the LGBT arm of the Utah democratic party has endorsed his opponent over him. Which is, which is kind of fascinating to me as just an outsider watching this democratic primary process. Well, it, sh- it shows you where you where we are in this woke world that it scores more points to be have a transgender child than to be gay yourself. I'll, t- I'll take your word for his his political standing. And honestly, I didn't even know he was gay. So that uh, I probably should have known that. Maybe that's embarrassing on my part. Well, but you, I do want to. Well, that. here's why people should know it, it was the Kitchen versus Herbert case that led to same-sex marriage being legalized in Utah. Uh, he is the kitchen. Um, gotcha. Interesting footnote to that. He, uh, so he, he sued and won. So he, he married his uh, partner. They, they've since divorced. And I'm not trying to celebrate that, but, you know, as a, someone who does divorces as a, as a, as an attorney, <laughs> you know, not, More not, business. <laughs> not all matches are made in heaven. So in, in any event, <laughs> So I do want to clear the air a little bit when it comes to this question, though, because I think pretty immediately after the leaked decision, you're hearing a lot of uh, more progressive outlets say, you know, this could have implications for for gay marriage, for birth control, for interracial marriage. And it's just it's scaremongering. I mean, it's, it would never it's... happen. And and you saw in the decision itself, the, the leaked decision draft that Alito was very specific about saying this doesn't affect any of those things. Yeah. And so you can step back and say, well, you say that, but maybe, but he said it. If Alito's not going to vote for it, 
none of them are going to vote for it. Okay. It's, I mean, <laughs> it's all histrionics and um, yeah, it's, we don't like this decision. So let's come up with all of, yeah, it's scare time. Yeah. All these. Yeah. And justice Thomas is a black man and his wife is a white woman. I just don't really see him voting against <laughs> interracial marriage. You know, it's just yeah, kind of nonsense. Okay, so federal. This week, the January 6th committee in the U.S. Congress held its first public primetime hearing on Thursday. Todd, did you watch it? Secondly, what, if anything, did you learn? Okay, I watched it, but mostly because a local TV station wanted me to come on and give the Republican response. And so oh, good for I, you. I don't know if I would have made it through it otherwise. Um, in terms of a TV production, um, the second 40, you know, the second half was a lot more um, kind of titillating and entertaining. The first, the, the first 11 minutes almost put me to sleep. It was almost, and no offense to, it was almost like watching general conference because you had uh <laughs> is it bernie thompson come out and just yeah. uh give a a long lecture he talked about where he grew up and how uh people justifying january 6th reminded people justifying lynchings and slavery and then you had liz cheney come on and and give her you know she, by the way uh breaking news she still hates donald trump um but you know, and, and they, you know, the, the, the compelling, they had some very compelling testimony from a, a female officer who was there on cap on Capitol describing slipping and blood, you know, and, and her coworkers were passed out and had blood all over their face. That was pretty compelling. They had, they took one little snippet out of like a six hour deposition of Ivanka Trump and Trump and the same thing with Jared Kushner and, and tried to make it look like that they had turned on, 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 on the Donald. Um, and I, I'd like to see the whole, the whole deposition, quite frankly, which they're not going to show, but so, so this was this, they hired a former ABC news production. They were supposed to make this slick and entertaining. It was, it was kind of boring. So, so they promised new footage never before seen. Um, I am old enough to remember January 6th because it was only 18 months ago. I've also gone on YouTube and watched footage. And so even though the camera angles were new on the footage that they were showing, th this was basically the same stuff that we've seen. Now, not everybody has watched it and, and it is horrific. And you and I have been pretty clear. We're not defending anything that happened on January 6th. That was, that was a, I think, a, a stain on the Trump presidency. It was a low mark uh, on this decade. Um, but at, at the same time, that can be true. And you can also have Democrats who are using this to try to distract from really bad policies, from out of control inflation, uh, baby formula and other shortages. Now, now, Sriracha, you can't buy, you're not going to be able to buy Sriracha. Um, and, and disastrous poll numbers, not only for the president, but also for the you know, midterm elections. And so I think that this is political theater at its worst, because it's not even all that entertaining. And that my biggest disappointment, well, two, two things. Number one, uh, th there was not, no new information here, zero, I mean, in terms of the facts. Like they're kind of alluding that they're going to be able to tie Trump himself or you know maybe Mark Meadows directly to the Proud Boys or some of these extremist organizations. By the way, that we've had 800 people charged and, and, and being prosecuted for what happened on January 6th, including the, some of the Proud Boys and one, some of the other extremist organizations for conspiracy. Um, the other the other disappointing thing was you had even Liz Cheney, who's a Republican, um, she read part of one of Trump's tweets that made him look bad and left off on the same tweet 
the part where he told people to go home. And so, so just further evidence that they're going to do everything in this committee to make Trump look bad. And, and remember, he's already been impeached the second time for January 6th, and he's already been voted out of office, but we still got to leave off the last sentence of one of his tweets, you know, where he's actually telling people to go home at 6 p.m. It, 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 it's kind of silly. And, and, and the very last point I'll make, you had over 100,000 people show up for the protest. You had about 1,000 show up outside the Capitol. You had a couple hundred go inside the Capitol, and you had tens of people that were being violent. And yet we're being told that everyone that came to Washington that day was there to 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 stop the process and and it was a fraction of the people now i don't like anything that happened that day but i think we can all agree that people can a piece of should be able to peaceably assemble which is what 99,000 you know plus people did that day and the ones that went in the capitol even the ones that were invited <laughs> ostensibly invited in by the police once the barriers went down all of those people i think should be investigated and charged if they committed crimes yeah, I've, I've said this before, you've said this before. I think that for those people who entered the Capitol, I mean, especially if they entered by force, they should be prosecuted. None of us have any, any sympathy for that. I wanna make that completely clear. But even the, the only thing that I did learn from these hearings was that the couple of groups, the uh, Oath Keepers, Proud Boys, to the extent that there was a handful of those guys who were involved in, uh, in some sort of pre-planning, it's pretty clear that there wasn't a connection to Trump in the first place. Otherwise, they would have they they would have shared that, and they left before Trump spoke. So they were at the 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 speech the at the 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 ellipse, and they left beforehand. So you do have a handful of of guys who had plans to do bad things, and every one of them should be prosecuted. But this, as you said, is a political production, political theater. We're not trying to find out the truth. We're not trying to we're not trying to investigate this so that we can learn more of the facts. We're building a case. And Jamie Raskin, a congressman, a Democratic congressman who's a senior on this panel, on the commission, as well as was the lead prosecutor in the Trump second Trump impeachment. I mean, he's been very he's been clear saying the purpose of this is to overthrow the Electoral College. And you're like, what? Even even Liz Cheney is probably not going to even go that far. It's crazy. That's what they want to see here. Overthrowing the Electoral College means that Utah would lose its uh, its influence, what little influence it has in the presidential election in all small states. That's their goal is to expand the, the power of New York and California. And we're really not trying to figure out what the facts are. There is an FBI investigation that's ongoing. That should happen. Have yeah. an FBI investigation Absolutely. that goes forward. And, you know, even even afterwards, I'm, I'm looking for, hey, did I miss something? I watched the video, the same reaction you did, which was like, I, I guess there might be something new out of this, but I, it looks a whole lot like what we've already seen. I mean, maybe there is some new, but, but well, the next the, thought the, I had was, if this is the greatest hits, I mean, there was, some, there was definitely some bad stuff and those people should be prosecuted who behave that way. But if this is the greatest hits, this is not an, this is not, I don't know why we're calling this an insurrection or a coup. There was no hope. It was a riot. You had people rioting. You had people like breaking in and breaking stuff. Well, it's worse than that because the media keeps on calling it an armed insurrection, right? Not a yeah. single person that entered the Capitol that day, trespass, not a single trespasser in the Capitol had a firearm. The only people there with firearms uh, were the Capitol police, which is why the only person that died that day on January 6th 
was one of the protesters is a Ashley uh, Bob. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she right. was shot by a Capitol police officer and died as a result. Now we did have people die, you know, from a stroke or something a day or two later. And then some people committed suicide, all of which is horrible. Um, the other thing is, is when Trump was put on the second impeachment, um, it, he, he, he was, they never alleged that he did anything illegal. It was that he incited a mob. And even then they, they, they struggled to, uh, to put on evidence. And they read probably one of the most compelling parts was they, they showed a protester stop and read kind of a a bad tweet from Trump and then everybody cheered and they kept on going. But I think at that time they were already inside the Capitol and that that's just not enough. I mean, Trump should have, I mean, he, he can't account for about two and a half hours of where he was that afternoon. He should have been quelling this mob. There's a lot of things he should have done that he didn't do. But tweeting something stupid that somebody reads when they're already in the Capitol, that is not a direct link. The last thing I'm going to say is yeah. the big reveal uh, for, for a lot of people was, oh, my gosh, William Barr said that there was no there was no there there for this election fraud. If you Google William Barr and, and election <laughs> fraud in December of in December before January 6th, he said it and it was on CNN. And it's also in his memoir, which no one's ever going to read. <laughs> and yet for the Democrats, know, like, the liberals, this was the big reveal from, you know, three nights ago. I know exactly. That's not news. So you, you know that the thing was a bust when the New York Times gives its like seven takeaways. And each takeaway is just a quote from Liz Cheney. And you're like, She's got rhetoric, but what's the piece of evidence? Where's I mean, two, the missing link? Where's the years, the liberals the hate the Cheney family? Two years ago, HBO made a documentary about how evil Dick Cheney was, and all of a sudden yeah. now she's like <laughs> this hero. And I hope she's enjoying this attention because they'll drop her. Oh yeah, you know as soon they as will. no longer useful to them. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Okay, last topic. Uh, poll the uh, the Deseret News uh, Dan Jones man they're killing it with the polls crushing it these days they went out every time so the question this one this time is they asked registered voters in Utah now I think we need to we need to be precise when we're talking about this registered voters doesn't tell us are these people actually going to vote and it's not a really good measure at about this time and in the next couple of months we need to move towards like likely voters yeah because those are the people who are going to are more likely to vote so but anyway these are registered voters so it'd be all voters and the question is if the general election were held today and the following individuals were the candidates for u.s senate who would you vote for now the first question was on mike lee versus evan mcmullen mike lee versus evan mcmullen in a general election lee gets 41 percent McMullen, 37, which seems close, 4%. Don't know, 19%. Okay. Then uh, Ali Isom versus McMullen. Ali gets 23%. McMullen gets 34. Don't know, 36. And then Becky Edwards would pull it out according to this poll. Edwards gets 29%. McMullen gets 28. Don't know, 37. So you have huge 37. So I'm going to give my view, and I'd love to hear yours. I don't think this is accurate at all. <laughs> I, I think Lee is going to win uh, comfortably by at least 15%, uh, maybe maybe much more. I mean, this is interesting because it is a poll. It is hot. But I fully expect that Mike Lee, with his $7 million, is going to start spending some of that. 
and is going to actually define Evan McMullen. McMullen right now is just riding on sort of like he's not Lee and he's ostensibly a Republican. But when people find out that he's, uh, he supports Roe v. Wade, that uh, he supports a litany of, of Democratic policies, that the Democrats are actually uh, endorsing him, well, that's going to change some minds. And a lot of that don't know is going to start moving towards Lee, I think. And of course, these are registered voters, so a lot of these people are not even going to vote. What do you so, think, Todd? First of all, Mike Lee is going to win by more than 4% in November over Evan McMullen. I'm not sure it'll be 15%, but you might be right. But even if he only wins by 4%, he's still going to be the next U.S. Senator from Utah. Second of all, this is great news for Evan McMullen. His fundraising uh, prospects just went through the roof because now he's got a legitimate poll showing that he's only down by 4%. So that this will help him raise probably three to $5 million. Yeah. And so how is he going to spend that? That's going to be interesting or whether, or whether he's going to pocket it uh, and use that for his other ventures. I'll be interested to see that's how he should start. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think you're right. And, and I think it shows Evan McMullen to the extent that he's going to raise the money that you just said, it's not going to be from Republicans around the country or in Utah. It's going to be he's a he's an MSNBC starlet and he's going to raise money from the left. People who hate Republicans and hate Mike Lee. There may be some Republicans in Utah who who aren't as much in love with Lee as others, but I'm not sure that they're going to be ready to jump to a guy who who's as as much of a a shapeshifter in order to like get votes as this guy is. And he's raising his money purely from progressives around the country yeah. and in park city. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It'd be park city and outside of Utah is where the, all of that money will come from Can, yeah. you know, in the future as well. So. Yeah. All right. That's the last word. That's it, Todd. Thanks. Thanks, Corey.